Amen. Good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. If you'd like to take out your outlines, I want to pick up a new theme today. You may have heard this saying before, your life is God's gift to you. Let's wait till that one pops up on the screen. Ah, there we go. Right, your life is God's gift to you. What you make of it is your gift back to God. Now, sometimes we bring gifts to people as a way of saying, thank you. And there's a couple of pictures here of some people giving pictures to, in this case, their parents or their siblings. I want to suggest to you, though, today, that if you adopt an attitude of gratitude in your lifestyle, if your entire life is lived as a thank you gift back to God for the things that he has done, it will radically increase your happiness, it will increase your satisfaction in life, and it will, in, it will enhance the meaning that you have in life. Because God wants thankfulness and gratitude to be lifelong attitudes. Look at the first verse on your outline. First verse says this, The sacrifice that honors me is a thankful heart. So if you want to give something to God, God is saying one of the things you can give him here clearly is a thankful heart. And what God wants from you and I is an attitude of gratitude from hearts that are right with him. So I want to ask the question, why should I live my life as a thank you gift to God? Why should I do that? Well, today I'm going to talk about three reasons and six attitudes that come with them. For you to practice. Six simple practices. Now, the Psalms is a book of thanksgiving. So almost all of the verses on your outline today are from the book of Psalms. And Martin has read one of the um, references today. So the first reason I should give my entire life as a thanksgiving offering to God is because of who he is. Because of who he is. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, The Lord is great. He's great. He's not puny. He's not weak. He's not powerless. The Bible says the Lord is great. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. No one can understand how great he is. Now why is that worthy of my gratitude? Well, here's the answer. If he's big enough and great enough to create the universe, no problem of mine is ever too big for him. God can handle all of your problems. He's interested in every hair on your head. And God has the power to do anything. Every problem, friend, that you bring to God is small. It is small fry. There are no big problems in God's eyes. So therefore, God is great. Psalm 97, next verse. Verse 12 says, Give thanks to God as you remember how holy he is. Now, that's the second thing we know God about God. Circle, holy. God is holy. That means there is no one else like him in the entire universe. He is pure. He is perfect. He is faultless. He's maximally good. And we can thank God for that. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, next verse, Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Now, I've said this many times. 
But please remember this, friends. No one will ever love you like God does. No man will ever love you like God does. No woman will ever love you like God does. Now, if God was not a loving God, you wouldn't even know what love was. You wouldn't be able to give it. You wouldn't be able to receive it. The only reason you can give and receive love is because God is love, and you are made in his image. So we can thank God that he's great, first verse, that he's holy, second verse, that his love is unfailing, not like human love. Human love is fickle. God's love is faithful. And nobody is ever going to love you like God does. Next verse, Psalm 7, verse 17. This is a good one. This is one of my wife's favorites. One of the reasons why we'll thank the Lord is because he is just. He is just. And that means that he is fair. He is not prejudiced. He is not able to be manipulated. He always does what is right. And I thank God that he is not manipulated. He never does wrong. You see, because perfect justice is not always done on this earth. In fact, many times it is not. Ultimately, it will be, and he will deal justly with everyone with complete impartiality because he knows the full facts. There is nothing hidden from his eyes. Psalm 54 verse 6. Another reason, I will thank the Lord because he is good. God is a good God. Every good thing that comes into your life, the scent of a rose, beauty of a sunset. I was sitting in my study the other day doing, reading some, actually my devotionals, and I happened to look out the window, and something struck me, which hadn't struck me, because I'm, my background's computer science and mathematics. I did algebra and calculus at university. And I looked at this thing, I thought, my goodness, Lord, you designed, see, to get a leaf, there's a pattern, right? And to get a pattern, you need information. That is actually coded, hard-coded beautifully. He actually designed all of those leaves, unbelievably, that can photosynthesize. I used to think that was an easy thing. But his handiwork is everywhere I look. Photosynthesis is a phenomenally complex subject. And we're not going to get into the quantum physics of all that right now. But I want to tell you this. That isn't random, meaningless chance. That is designed with precision. Every good thing that comes into your life is from the goodness of God. And if our creator wasn't good, there'd be no good in the universe. So that's something I can thank God for. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you are just. Thank you that you are holy and that you are fair and that you are great. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, Knowing these things, tell the Lord how thankful you are. Tell him. Tell him how thankful you are. That's what we're looking at this morning. How to live your life as a thank offering and a thank gift to God. A thank you gift. Tell God how thankful you are because he's always kind and he's always merciful. Now some of you grew up where your parents were inconsistent. Sometimes they were kind and sometimes they weren't so kind. Sometimes they were merciful and other times they weren't merciful. Sometimes they were loving and sometimes they weren't loving. 
Friends, inconsistency creates insecurity. And inconsistent parenting creates inconsistent and insecure kids. The Bible says this is not true about God. He is always kind. You've just seen that in that verse. And he is always merciful. So that means no matter how badly I blew it this week or this month or in my life, no matter how madly I've messed up, God is always kind. See, the goodness of God leads us to turn around, to repent, and he's always merciful. So how can I show my thanks for who God is? How can I do that? Because you show it. So how loving he is, how holy he is, how just he is, how good he is, how kind and gracious he is. Well, the Bible says there are two ways you may write these down. Number one, the first is by singing from my heart. Singing from my heart. I'm not just saying singing. I'm saying singing from my heart. It's the way that you show gratitude to God. It's a way of expressing. Now, question. Does the tone of your voice make a difference in expressing thanks? Does it? Oh, yeah. Suppose for a moment that you may be a beautiful handmade gift for Christmas. And after all that work, I go, oh, thanks. Thank you. Does that sound very thankful? But if I said, whoa, thank you so much for that. I can't believe that you spent all that time making that for me. Thank you so much. Now, effectively, I said the same words. I'm thanking that person. But the tone and the expression makes a difference. Can you make a difference with your expression if you say to somebody that you love them? Does the tone make a difference? Absolutely. It can be perfunctory. It can be very platonic or it can be engaging. Now, sometimes on Sunday, when Ben and the team lead us in worship, do you sing from the heart? Or do you participate like Christian karaoke, sing along? Look what the Bible says here. Psalm 147, next verse. Sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to our God. And you say, well, hang on, Pastor, but I can't sing. The Bible says, okay. But it also says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be tuneful, but make one which is joyful, which is great. So he says, you can just stand up and get on the job. You don't have to wait till you're perfect. Just go for it. So with that, we're going to stand and we're going to sing out a song to God like you mean it. So I want to encourage you, before we do this, to forget your self-consciousness. Nobody's watching. You sing for an audience of one. Some of you, when we stand and we sing, some of you get self-conscious. And you may even see the odd person who would raise their hands, but you're afraid to. Let me ask you a question, because it's a very open-handed question. Have you ever been to a, a netball game? Or a rugby game and somebody scored a try? <laughs> I have. I go, yes! In fact, I did that so hard once, I jumped so high, I actually hit our roof downstairs in the basement. And my ring imprint is in the, <laughs> is in the roof of our basement. I was so enthusiastic that we scored that try. Man, we needed it. The point is this. Are you telling me it's okay to be excited about sports? 
but not excited about God. Nobody forced me to do that. It was an expression of my heart. And this is not about forcing anything, but it is to encourage you to whatever you do today. When we sing this song, Great Are You, Lord, that the team are going to lead us in, let's sing this from our hearts. Would you stand? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Please be seated. So the first reason that I live with an attitude of gratitude is because of who God is. He's not mean and aloof and distant and uncaring. He's not manipulative. He's good and he's gracious and he's kind and he's loving and merciful. And every good thing in my life is there because of God. So therefore I live my life with an attitude of gratitude. And how do I do that? One of the ways we've just sung it right now is by singing from the heart. God loves it when we sing to him. The second way we can give thanks to God is by thanking God in prayer. Thanking God in prayer. We just say, thank you. Prayer is simply talking to God. And not with these and thous and all these big long words. It's talking to God. It's having a conversation. The Bible says in Psalm 105 and verse 1 on the outline, give thanks to the Lord and pray to him. Now, just as we've sung and practically applied what the scripture said, I now want you to bow your heads with your eyes open. Many times I pray with my eyes open. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to close your eyes and pray. The reason why I need you to keep your eyes open, I want you to look at those six verses again on your outline right there. That's why I wrote them there. And then as you read those verses, start to think about thanking God. And then I'll pray. So we're going to have a moment's silence for you personally to look through some of those verses. And thank God for who he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. And we don't want this day to end without just taking a moment to focus on who you are, to slow down and to stop. Lord, for some of us, this is something that we do regularly, but for many of us, not very often. Some of us haven't prayed in a long time. But right now we're going to take this moment knowing that you are here just to say that we're thankful that you are such an awesome God. We see it in everything that you've made. We see it in the way that you've made us. Thank you for your greatness. And I pray that you would help us to see your greatness in every problem that we have a victory in you, that we have light of your greatness in every dark circumstance. Thank you for the holiness 
that you have God, that you have perfect integrity? Would you help change our lives so that we may live lives of total integrity? That they would reflect your character, Lord. Help us not be bought or manipulated by the pressures of this world and people that come into our lives or our own passions. Help our lives to be changed, Holy Spirit, by the perfection of who you are. And God, we thank you for your love. We praise you that you are a God of awesome love, perfect goodness, and justice which is unequaled. And we thank you that you will win out in the end. We lean into this right now because you are the only one we can ultimately always count on. A love that will never fail us. A goodness that will always be with us. A justice that will always win in the end. And God, we praise your name right now for who you are. And we have enjoyed doing this together as a family. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 So this is the first reason that God wants us to live with an attitude of gratitude. It's because of who he is. And he's worthy of our thanksgiving. But there's a second reason. And you may want to write this down. We praise God for who he is. And we thank God for what he has done. For what he has done. Not just who he is, but for what he has done. There's a difference between who he is, that's what we just talked about, and now what we're looking at, which is what he has done. And the difference is between praise and thanksgiving. That's the difference. We praise God for who he is and we thank God for what he's done. That's the difference. Psalm 52 verse 9 on your outline there and on the screen says, Let all things praise the name of the Lord because we were created at his command. Now the Bible encourages us to praise God for who he is. So he says here, I'll just back up a verse. Psalm 52, 9, I will thank you, God, forever for what you've done. I will thank you, God, forever for what you've done. What's God done for you? Millions of things. I just want to mention five. (laughs) Number one is that he created you. Let all things praise the name of the Lord because we're created at his command. And the Bible encourages us to be grateful. Do you like it when your children are grateful? You really do. It warms your hearts. That's how it's meant to be. He not only created you, number two, he saved you. He saved you that you can live forever with him. That's amazing. Psalm 9 verse 14 says, I will praise you and rejoice because you've saved me. Now, often we lose touch with that, with the hustle and bustle of life. We forget that. We're too busy driving through traffic. And trying to get from place A to B and task C, D, and E and Z done. And we forget to praise him and rejoice because he saved us. Third thing he's done for you, he's answered your prayers. And that's a reason to thank God. Psalm 118, 21, I praise the Lord for answering my prayers. When was the last time you thanked God for answering your prayers? Actually, when was the last time you really had a long conversation with God? And prayers, by the way, aren't always just to be answered. That's something different. Number four, he gives you direction in life. I praise the Lord because he guides me. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
How does he do that? He guides you through the Bible. He guides you through spiritual teaching of God's word. He guides you through circumstances and godly friends. He gives you an idea. He gives you an impression. He gives you the word of God. And you can be thankful for that. Fifth, most importantly, he came to earth to die for you so that you could be forgiven. There is no other name under heaven by which a man may be saved or a woman and whose sins can be covered by Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.13. We, describes, were spiritually dead. Unresponsive. Because of our sins and sinful nature. But, this is the good news. That's the bad news, the first part. Now it's the good news. God gave his new life with Christ and he forgave all our sins. You may circle all our sins and that's something you and I can be grateful for this is the neat part he cancelled he tore up the record that contained all the charges against us and he took it and he destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross hang on a minute I've just read a ridiculously potent verse there did you catch that Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and said to you, I have just cancelled all the debt you owe? Your mortgage? This is way more. Would you be grateful? Oh, yeah. You took to my boys who've got mortgages. Some of you have forgotten the weight of that. But this is far more than the mortgage. See, forgiveness is free. But it's expensive at the same time because it costs Jesus his life. And he wants us to remember this, so he gave us a symbol. And it's called the Lord's Supper. Some of you know it as communion. Some of you who've been around a while know it as the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is the Greek word for thanksgiving. That's what that means. I receive it with thanksgiving. So ushers, if you'd like to start serving, that'd be great. What is the Lord's Supper? It's a reminder. It's a memory tool to remind us. It helps to remember what Jesus did this. He said, do this to remember what I have done for you. To remember. So we look back to remember. It's a symbol. Secondly, it's an object lesson. It's a picture of his body, which is like the bread and the juice which is like his blood now this is a picture if I was to whip out my wallet and pull you out there and say hey this is my wife you will get that's a picture my real wife's sitting there right (laughs) but you know what I mean when they say it's a picture that's exactly the same way communion is it is a picture of Jesus blood and body given for you it's an analogy when Jesus said I am the door He wasn't talking about, I'm a block of wood. And when he said, I'm the bread of life, he wasn't saying that I'm a loaf that you can chop up and put butter on. It was a picture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. So number one, communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper is firstly a symbol. Secondly, a reminder. Thirdly, a statement of our faith. When we take it, what we're saying is, I believe Jesus died for me. Communion is not for people who do not accept Jesus' sacrifice. 
This is for believers. That's what communion is about. It's a statement of faith. And fourthly, and importantly, it is a simple act. It's not meant to be an elaborate ceremony, and we shouldn't complicate it. Let it speak for itself. Now, here's a question that some of you have been asking. How should I feel when I take communion? Should I, one, feel guilty for my sin? The answer is no. Because Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save it. And also, he says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin and to, so to um, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Should I feel grief over what Jesus went through? Now, if he stayed dead, yes, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, he defeated death. So no, no guilt, no grief, but the third attitude you should feel. You should feel gratitude. The third G, gratitude. No guilt, no grief, but gratitude. Gratitude that God would love me so much. Greater love hath no man than he lay down his life for another. And God showed his love for us that whilst we were still sinners, enemies of God, he laid his life down for us. So whilst we're doing this, I'd just like the team to have their next song and just to think about that just for one moment because you're going to sing Cornerstone right then Jesus took the bread and he spoke a prayer of thanksgiving Eucharistos and he broke the bread and he gave it to them and he said this is my body which is given for you do this to remember me. Let's take the bread together. means the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's the only story in the world where the king dies for the servants. Every other story involves people sacrificing themselves for the king. But in the Bible story, the God of history sacrifices himself for his creation. The Savior dies for you. He comes from glory and he dies. So in Matthew 26, verse 27, then he took the cup. Again, he spoke a prayer. Amen. Please be seated, friends. Okay, we've sung about this. Now we need to look at how we can get some practical traction. How can I show my thanks for what God has done in my life? Not just words, not just for who he is and what he's done, there are two more ways. One of these ways is by telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. 
telling others the good news. That's one way we can show our thanks for what God has done in our life. We don't hide it under a bushel. We tell other people. Isaiah 12 verse 4 says this. Thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about his wonderful love. I love that. So clear. Thank the Lord and praise his name. Tell the world about his wonderful love. See, at Christmas, often people are more open to an invite. We've got Christmas Wonder Park. We've just talked about that. That's going to be a great. All of us, in fact, some of our family were just mentioning yesterday, they're, they're coming along. We've got neighbors we're going to have for a, a Christmas deal. We're going to invite them to it as well. There's a, there's a Christmas service that's next week. There's people you can invite to that. Christmas Eve service from five to six, one hour. That's it. Boom. But people are going to get to hear about God's wonderful love. That's how you can be part of telling them, by inviting them. Secondly, by how else we can give thanks to God is by giving an offering back to God. Absolutely. By giving an offering back to God. See, thanks and giving, thanksgiving, go together. That's why at Christmas time, once a year, we have a special Christmas offering. The Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 14, give an offering to show your thanks to God. Have you ever seen that before? Give an offering to show your thanks to God. Not to trade anything off, but as a, as a symbol of your gratitude. Give him what you promised. Now, I want to show you a couple of things which will give you some focus on this giving. Giving's one thing, but give to what? I want to suggest to you there's a couple of worthwhile causes here which deserve our attention because they're in God's heart. Anything that's in God's heart, I need to be interested in. One of them is this here, and Loving Hearts Baby's Home. Next slide. Click. Next slide. Ah, here we go. All babies need families. God's heart is that babies have families. They're not left orphaned. We haven't got time today to delve into God's heart for babies, but God has a heart for the abandoned orphans. This is where Helen picked up little Maz. He was abandoned at this baby's home. And she's a missionary. She's so touched by them. They are so stretched with these babies that are being abandoned. She herself and her husband are funding one full-time staff worker on a missionary salary. Next slide. What they get there is temporary care. This is not an orphanage. They get temporary care. Next slide. They get the ability to help they facilitate foster care. Some of you in this church do fostering. You know what that is. Next slide. They have a path, a legal path to guardianship. Helen has just completed that for little Maz at this place. We know the process. We've been there it's unbelievably well run. I am absolutely delighted. Those of you who are going to come to Uganda with us are going to get a chance to see this place and visit with them. Next slide. Okay, so their goal is that eventually these children will be adopted or get legal guardianship in a loving Christian home. It is only for Christian. Next one. Okay, their aim, of course, is a happy, healthy, bouncing baby. <laughs> Next one. Okay, so let's just back up to that other one. There was one missing there for some strange reason. So there's a couple of way, ways you can be involved in that. One is if you feel appropriate, you could 
do like Callan did. She's in the missionary cell and she's paying for an extra staff because those babies, a lot of them need feeding all the way through the night. So it's a 24-hour whole deal. So she's doing that. Others, you, you're aware of child sponsorship. Well, child sponsorship here doesn't kind of work the same. What they do for this here is they have a bed sponsorship. So they have a little cot, which provides all of the medical, uh, I'll, I'll read this to get this dead correct, that pays for the medications, the feeding, the baby care, all the essentials that the baby will need during the time with us at Loving Hearts. You get pictures and updates of each child who um, calls your crib home. Okay. Now, if that's something that you are interested in, again, I just want to remind you, my daughter's a missionary, and she does the staff for that. But that, if you wanted to do something like that, and some of you are different resource levels, that's up to you. But I can just tell you the facts. To do that, $3.20 a day, 100 bucks a month, we'll do that to, uh, to do a crib. Okay? Helen does that. Next, so that may touch some of your hearts for babies, because it touches God's heart. Here's another worthwhile organization, Student Life. Okay, these guys are on the campuses all around New Zealand, and what they do, their goal is to is a Christian group committed to sharing the claims of Jesus Christ with students weekly on the camp uh, on the campuses around New Zealand. They also do camps as well. This is this is frontline ministry. These guys go full time. So the people that we sponsor in the past have been full time people who work on these universities. There's fifty five thousand people at Auckland University. Students, this is a pivotal time. I love that. In fact, I would love to have one day a week and do nothing else but be on Auckland University campuses with these guys. Awesome frontline ministry. Here's another very worthwhile organization, the third one. I'm not going to give you many, but three. Three organizations. Loving Hearts Baby Home, Student Life, and this is WEC. This organization was um, started by the man called C.T. Studd. This guy was pretty hard out. He was almost like the Apostle Paul. Look, this is one of his quotes I found this morning. Difficulties, dangers, and diseases, death or divisions don't deter any but chocolate soldiers from executing God's will. (laughs) He's a hard out guy. And these guys go into really tough third third world countries, and they push the gospel forward, often in Arabic and Muslim countries. They, their focus is on reaching unchurched people groups, people where uh, groups where the, the name of Christ hasn't been heard. They focus on planting churches, advancing the bride of Christ. So here's what I want to suggest to you. On your, as you came in, you'd have been given an envelope. On that, if one of those things, either today, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up because we're going to send the offering out in two weeks' time. If you're prepared to do something about that today, happy day. If you're not, that's okay. But I would ask, no matter who you are here today, if you're a Christian, if you're not, please, this is not for you. But if you are a Christian, that you take it, you go discuss it with your spouse, your friend, or whoever it may be, whoever you're making this decision, and think about a serious commitment to this at the end of the year. If you're serious about thanking God, I encourage you to just choose one of these you would like to give to and fill out your communication card or, or your offering envelope when you're ready to do that. God told the Jews to do a similar thing about a thousand years earlier than the scripture we just read in Deuteronomy 16 verse 10. It says, celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing him a free will. This is a free will, a free will offering. That's up to you. 
in proportion to the blessing he's given you. Notice this is always fair. So the question is, how has God blessed you in this past year? If he's blessed you a lot, you ought to give a lot. If he didn't bless you at all, don't give a cracker. Not a cent. If he blessed you a little, give a little. In proportion to what you've been blessed with. That's what it says. So you give in proportion to the way God's blessed you in your life this last year. Now the level of my giving, my giving, is the level of my gratitude. The level of my gratitude. I can say I love God, but if I never give anything, that's an interesting oxymoron. See, if I tell my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I, I write notes, but I never give her anything, I'm not so sure that's got some integrity. Because you can always give without loving. Here, take that. But you cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he's our example. The third and final reason I should live my entire life as a thank you gift to God is this. is because of God, God has promised. God has not finished doing good things in your life. He's got good plans and there are thousands of promises in the scriptures. So David says in Psalm 71 verse 22, I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. God never makes a promise he doesn't keep. He fulfills every one of them. We parents, you will learn really quickly. You be very careful what you promise because you need to deliver to have integrity with your kids. So never get backed into a corner, you young parents. Do you promise? Do you promise? No, I'm not promising. I'm saying, and be careful. Your yes needs to be yes, and your no needs to be no, and stick to it. That's a sidebar. Psalm 71, 2 again, I will praise you because you are faithful to your promises. Have you ever thanked God for his promises? Well, which ones? Well, how about one of them? I'll just choose a few. I could have chosen tons of them. How about God? one of God's promises is life after death? Oh, boy, I'm looking forward to seeing my mother. And others again soon. Are you thankful for that? I sure am. John 11 verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, will live again. That's a promise. You can take it to the bank. Are you thankful for life after death? Are you really thankful? Have you ever thanked God that this is not the end? It would be terrible if it was. Some people have very short lives. This would be, it would be terribly unjust if this is all it was. But it's not. Have you ever thanked God that this is not the end? That's what Easter is all about. Another of God's promises is that he will take care of all of your needs if you'll trust him and put him first in your life. Matthew 6.33 says, God will give you everything you need from day to day if you live for him and make, now notice this other condition, and you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. As you grow in your faith, you will find the kingdom of God ascends in your order of priorities. It becomes more and more important. Are you, pro- are you grateful for that promise that he'll provide for your needs if you live for him? A third great promise is that no matter what you go through in your life, God will always be with you. Hebrews 13.5 says this, a very comforting verse. Some of you have been abandoned in life by your parents, 
Some of your children have abandoned you. Some of your parents have abandoned you. Some of your spouses have abandoned you. Physically, emotionally, financially. But Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Some of you have been abandoned by business partners, and that hurts. But there's one thing you can count on. He says, I will never abandon you. And that is a promise you can be thankful for. Notice he doesn't say, I'll never abandon you if you always do the right thing. He doesn't say that. That condition is unconditional. He says, I will never abandon you. Now, I could have listed many more. How do I show my thanks to God for a God like that who says, I'm going to take care of your needs. I've made you these promises. How can I show my thanks to God? Let me give you two more ways and we'll close. How can I show my thanks to God for his promises? One way, often overlooked, is to serve him with the abilities he gave me. He gave you, Michelle, abilities. He wants you to use them for him. The Bible says this, we shouldn't say we're just grateful, we should show it by serving. Hebrews 12, 28, let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts. I don't serve him out of duty or guilt or pressure. I do it out of gratitude. Question, is there anything in your life that you're doing out of gratitude in unselfish service? Do you have any time in your life that you are volunteering to serve God by serving others just because you do it out of gratitude? Or are you saying, sorry, my life is so busy, it's so self-centered, I don't have time to volunteer for anything. Friends, do you think God put you on your earth just to live for yourself? No, he put you on earth to learn to be unselfish. Some people say, oh, well, marriage, if I get married, it'll make me happy. I want to suggest to you, one of God's purposes in marriage is not to make you happy, just, but to make you holy, to make you very unselfish. It makes you unselfish. Is there any time in your week or your month that you're unselfishly serving somebody else in Jesus' name? If not, you get a problem. And the problem is ingratitude. You're not grateful enough to God for all he's given you, for your birth and your life and your salvation, these things. I highly recommend you find a place to serve and do something totally unselfish. You don't get paid for it. You don't get noticed for it. But you just do it because you're grateful for God. Now, in this church, we have a lot of volunteers. But you don't have to do it here. Just find a place to do something unselfish. And if you have no volunteer service in your life, then you're living a limited life. God says we're to serve with a grateful heart. Finally, the last way we can show our gratitude is by living each day as a thank you gift to God. I want to close with Colossians 3.17 here and these other last scriptures. Whatever you do, whether in deed or word, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. So whatever you do, do it with an attitude of gratitude. I want you to make your life as a thank you note to God. God, you've saved me. You've created me. You're going to take me to heaven. I want to give my life on here earth to, to you as a living sacrifice. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances is God's will. And again, Colossians 2.7, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. Why? 
because we'll be thanking God in heaven one day. I, I, I look at this in the last version you outline, actually on the screen. Revelation 7, 11. All the angels will be standing around the throne and all of us will fall on our knees before the throne and worship God and will say amen and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor. There's that word, thanksgiving. And power and strength belong to God forever. Friends, God wants us to practice on earth what we're going to be doing in heaven. Let's bow our heads and be grateful. Dear God, thank you for who you are, that you're good, that you're loving, you're just, you're great. You are kind, always forgiving. You're holy and you're merciful. Thank you that you're not like people, that you are perfect in every way and that you can be trusted. God, I want to thank you for what you've already done in my life. You made it. You saved us. You answer our prayers. You guide us. You even came and died on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you. And thank you for what you promised. You promised us life after death. That's amazing, Lord. You promised to meet our needs if we put your kingdom first. And you promised to never leave us or abandon us. God, we want to live our lives with an attitude of gratitude. We want to sing to you. We want to pray to you. We want to tell others about you. We want to give generously back to you. And we want to serve you and live each day as a thank you gift. Some of you today, if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, this is where you start. You say, Jesus Christ, as my thank you gift to you, I give you my life. You gave it to me in the first place. I give it back to you and I want to follow you from this day forward. Thank you for forgiving my sin and making it possible for me to know God personally. I want to trust you and love you. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ian. Well, church, how about we-